This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Mark, and let's continue our series on Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, we've been going through the Gospel looking for Jesus, looking for His involvement, His activity, and how it connects to who we are. And this morning is one of those sermons, those messages that I feel particularly that God is directing this message to somebody. Maybe you're in the building, maybe you're watching me online, but I absolutely am convinced that God wanted this message preached for somebody that is hearing me right now. Or maybe it's someone that will be listening to the podcast later. But there is absolutely a divine intent, I believe, with what God is about to do in this house today. We're going to talk today about how Jesus works with people who might be considered to be beyond the reach of conventional religion. It's one of the stranger stories in the Gospel of Mark because there are some pieces of it that are hard to read. You're going to see the plight of a man who has been possessed and tormented by demon spirits and cannot even function as a normal person. Every day we are learning more and more about the impact of emotional and neurological sickness and disease. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, nearly one in five Americans live with diagnosed mental illness. It represents almost 21% of all American adults. And this was very interesting to me. The highest percentage of diagnosed case of mental illness in the United States is among young adults 18 to 25. Now, we can get dismissive and say that some of this is not an illness, but nonetheless, these illnesses exist, and there are those who sit among us and watch with us every Sunday who suffer greatly from the torment of their mind. We're only learning now more about the impact of diet and stress and disease and divorce and poverty and any host of impacting factors that are causing neurological and mental illness among children and young adults. It's been very disturbing to hear the reports of children committing suicide in the midst of pandemic and how Civic authorities and school leaders are very concerned about the mental health of our children. Now let me stress before we read this passage that I am not in any way saying that people with mental health issues are demon possessed. That's not what I'm saying. What I am specifically referencing though is the mental torture under which this man lived before he encountered Jesus Christ. And if you only hear one thing that I say from this moment forward, just one thing, I want to tell everyone that's hearing me right now, Jesus meets us where we are. 
Nobody is beyond the reach of His grace. And there is power in the love of Jesus Christ that is not restrained by any contributing factor that you're going through. God's love will reach you. God's love will change you. God's love will release you to be the person that God wants you to be, regardless of your background, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your physical or emotional state of mind. The reach of Jesus to you this morning is intentional and it's focused and it's personal. So lift your hand with me right now and let's pray about what God is going to do in this house and online right now. Father, it, in the name of Jesus, I feel your holy presence has entered this place. God, I believe that you're at work in this room to accomplish something powerful. And I don't always know how you do it. I don't always know how it comes to pass. Somebody's going to walk out and say, you know what? That message was just for me. That's what God wanted me to hear. I pray, Lord, that you will rescue and release someone today by the power of God. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, let miracles take place. Let it course through this room and online and through all the various technology that is connecting us today. Let the power of God. God's power be released this morning in the hearts and minds of our people today. For the glory and the honor of God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark and just remain seated this morning because we're going to walk through this passage in order. There's a lot of verses here and I, I want to just kind of sequentially walk through these 20-some verses in Mark chapter 5, I think I said Mark chapter 4, but it's Mark chapter 5 that we're going to read. Let's begin with verse 1. They arrived on the other side of the lake, talking about Jesus and the people traveling with him in the region of the Gadarenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat... A man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. See, it's not often that you go and have church in the cemetery. Anybody done that recently? Cemeteries don't lend themselves to those kind of experiences. But here, here's, we're about to have church in a cemetery. It, it just is another reminder that wherever you are, he meets you. Come on now. Wherever you are, on your job, in your house, in your car, wherever you are, he meets you. He's going to meet this man in a cemetery. Verse 3, this man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles, and no one was strong enough to subdue him day and night. Notice that. There was no rest for this man. The mental torture of his mind was persistently day and night. Day and night, he wandered among the caves and in the hills, howling 
and cutting himself with sharp stones. First thing I want you to notice is that this man's life is a mess. He's in a mess. What do we know about him? Well, right there from the scripture, it's, it's very evident. He lives in the graves. He lives in the caves, the burial spots. He lives alone because nobody lives there but him. He lives among the caves. And such is the torment of his soul and his mind that he cannot be restrained even with chains, the Bible said. When they've put chains on him because they are afraid of him, his outburst and his activity makes them afraid. And so as a community, they chain him up. But even when they put chains on him, the strength of him, he, he bursts those chains and he goes free. And the Bible says, here's the word, no one is able to restrain him. But it goes further. Notice what he says. He wanders among the caves and the hills, howling, screaming. You see, he's tormented. And then what does he do as a result of that torment? The Bible says he starts cutting himself with small stones. Now, there are those of you in this room today who understand exactly what I'm saying, and there are people in this room who don't understand at all what I'm saying. So listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. There is a condition that is referred to by medical doctors as non-suicidal self-injury. It's the act of deliberately harming your body, such as cutting or burning yourself, for the purpose of learning to cope with emotional pain, intense anger and frustration. Sometimes people feel a momentary sense of calm, a release of tension, usually followed by guilt and shame, and then a return to more painful emotions. Cutting. You'd be surprised how many people do it. Cutting. Because of the torment of their mind because of the emotional upheaval that's going on in their head and if you've never been there you would think that is ridiculous that you would harm your body but you don't know what you would do if you were in the condition that some people are in and it's easy for me to judge because I've never been a cutter but I'm telling you I know people who for some reason or another get to a point where their pain is so intense and their struggle is so much that they don't know what to do they just want to be free from the torture of their mind and their soul. I want you to see this man this morning for who he is. He's a tortured soul. He can't find relief. He wanders among the caves. He's crying out at night like a wild animal because he cannot get free from what is holding him down. And you're sitting here this morning and maybe your location is not a graveyard. But in your heart there's a scream in your spirit that wants to be free from what's been tormenting you so long. It may be your fears. It may be your anxieties. It may be the physical struggle that you're in. And your torture may not as be as severe, but it's just as real. And I'm telling you that Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to meet you where you are. He wants to release you from the bondage of your mind and your spirit so that you can be free to be who God wants you to be. This man's life is a mess. 
Let's keep going. Verse 6. When Jesus was still some distance away. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him. He ran to meet him and bowed low before him. So Jesus and his posse come pulling up to the shoreline. And Mark says that when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him. Now, the impression that you get in the first five verses is that he is very antisocial, is he not? To be restrained and to live among the caves and the, the graveyard would not make him on the alias of party invites. He's a tortured soul. But when Jesus shows up, when the presence of Jesus is apparent on that island or on that place, this tortured man runs to meet him. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about that because why would a demon-possessed man run to Jesus? Because there's a part of him there's a part of him that's trying to get free. There's a part of him that understands that I've got to find help. I don't know who this man is, but I'm drawn by the presence of this man. I want to find him and see if perhaps this man can help me because the Bible said he ran to meet him and fell down before him. Now we don't know if he even knew who Jesus was. But there was something that drew this man to where Jesus is. Can I tell you this, Lake Erie Church? If we become the church that God wants us to be, the presence of Jesus is here and people are drawn to that. I don't even know why I showed up at your church today. I, I don't even know why I'm here. I know why you're here. The presence of Jesus is here. And there is something in you that's drawing you to where Jesus is. When Jesus shows up, it means that there is help within your reach. I love, I love the language of Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary, heavy laden. You know what the Lord wants? He wants you to understand that you can approach him. You can come to Jesus. You say, oh, I... I don't know, I, I'm not like a lot of the people at your church if you only knew how much like us you are. I mean, we stand up here on the stage, you know, like Ashley Rivers, we stand up here and we dance and we shout and we go on, but you don't always know what's going on in our lives. You don't always know how much we need Jesus. You don't always know how much we have to have him while we keep coming back to his presence Sunday after Sunday after Sunday because if we don't have Jesus, we don't have it. We don't have what we need. We don't have what we have to have in our life. It's not about us. It's not about this church. It's about Jesus and who he is. So wherever you find yourself today, just know Jesus will meet you where you are. Amen. 
Look at this next verse of scripture on the screen. Hebrews chapter 4. I love it. Paul writing in Hebrews chapter 4 says this. Since we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is not able to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin. Then he says this in verse 16. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There are four things that verse says to every person in this room. Number one, that Jesus is approachable. That you do not have to be afraid to approach him. The second thing it says is that Jesus understands what you're going through. Now for many years I wondered about that verse. That he was tempted and tempted in all points like as we are. It doesn't mean that Jesus went through everything you're going through. But it means that he understands the pressure and the heat of temptation. He understands what it's like to be under the intensity of pressure. Tempted in all points like as you are. Never gave in, never gave up. Third thing it says is that we can come boldly to the Lord's presence. Boldly. You know, I think sometimes God gets frustrated because of how frightened and timid we are about coming to Him. It's like a parent whose child goes to somebody else for something that parent can do for them. The frustration is, why didn't you come to me? I'm your daddy. I'm your mother. Why didn't you come to me? What made you think that you could not come to me? Even the way we sometimes approach the Lord. Like we have to have a special language to talk to God. You ever heard that before? Don't you think God sometimes just gets tickled listening to us pray? And it's like, hey, Brother Perez, what's happening? You're doing good, Marva. God bless you. Oh, great Father of God. Into thy divine presence I bring my spirit. God's like, what is wrong with you? What happened to your voice? Why could we not say, I'm in a mess here. I'm in trouble. I was driving up the road the other day and I was just talking to God and I was just, I was just trying to talk to God the same way I would talk to anybody else. He's approachable and we can come boldly and then he finishes by saying when you come you're not going to find judgment and you're not going to find condemnation because that's what the devil tells you that if you come to God you're going to find judgment you're going to find condemnation that's not what it says it says if you come you're going to find mercy you're going to find grace mercy and grace get the word out tell the story that if you come to Jesus, you get mercy and you get grace. You don't get judgment. You don't get condemnation. You don't get scolding. You get mercy and you get grace. 
God wants you to know that. That if you come to Him, if you come to His throne, if you come into His presence, if you walk out to where He's getting out of His boat, if you come into His glory, you come in to find mercy and grace. I've been waiting on you, son. I've been waiting on you, daughter. I want to set you free. I want to make you whole. I want to heal your body. I want to turn your life around. I want to give you joy. Mercy and grace. That's what I want for our church. My gosh, I want, I want there to be mercy and I want there to be grace. I want us to lay down our condemning spirits. I want us to lay down our judgmental attitudes. I want us to lay down our cynicism. I want us to lay down our hatred toward others. I want us to find grace and mercy. Because that's the church where Jesus is. Let's pick it up, verse 7. Love it. With a shriek, not timid, a shriek, he screamed. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said, notice that. Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion. Because there are many of us inside this man. It gets a little more complex here. Because we now know he's tortured. He's tortured because he is possessed by many devils and these devils have changed him from the person he was and can be to the man that no one can be around your torture may not be demonic and i want to emphasize again that i'm not saying that mental illness anxiety stresses they're not demonic possessions in fact it is impossible Listen to me, impossible for a spirit-filled believer to be full of the devil. Well, there's four of you right there that believe that with me. I guess the rest of you think that any moment the devil's going to jump in you. When I was youth director in Tennessee, I got a call from a counselor that said, Brother Isaac, you need to come down here to cabin 12 or whatever it was. We got a problem. I said, okay. So I go down to cabin 12. Billy, cabin 12 has been tore all to pieces. It looked like a hurricane hit that. Beds are turned over. Suitcases are all up. All the kids are huddled out there on the outside. And I hear somebody yelling and carrying on. And uh, I said to the counselor, what's going on? He said, there's a boy in there. He's full of the devil. I said, how do you know? He said, he told me. He said, they're tearing everything up. We don't know what to do. I said, who is it? He told me the name. I said, one of our preacher's kids. He's not full of the devil. 
So I walked in there, and this guy's just screaming and a hollering, and he's doing all this kind of stuff, you know, just nuts. I said, buddy, shut up and sit down. He said, I'm full of the devil. I said, no, you're not. You're full of meanness, but you're not full of the devil. Sit your rear end down right there. He sat down. I said, what makes you think you're full of the devil? He said, my uncle told me I was full of the devil. I said, well, your uncle's a liar. I said, didn't I just see you in the altar seeking for the Holy Ghost during church? He went, yes, sir, I was seeking for the Holy Ghost. I said, well, then you're not full of the devil. The devil's not trying to get full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying that a demon-possessed person wouldn't come to our church, but it's not likely that a person possessed by the devil is looking to go to church on Sunday. You hear what I'm saying? You're not always going to encounter, you're not likely to encounter a lot of demon-possessed people in your church because the devil don't want to be where the presence of Jesus is. Now, you may encounter them out there in the world because out there in the world, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. But let me just tell you something. Let me just get on the record. We belong to a God who is greater than all the power of the devil. And the Bible says we have authority over all demon spirits. So we don't have to be afraid. The torture of this man is this possession we don't talk a lot about demon possession. We don't talk about it because we're afraid of it, but we don't need to be afraid of it. We don't need to be afraid of that because, listen, Satan is only an angel. You know, sometimes we talk about God and the devil like they're here. They're not anywhere close. God's way up here and the devil's way down here. The devil is just an angel. He has only the power of an angel. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He doesn't have all power. The devil can't be in two places at one time. He's restricted like an angel to one place. Now, he has demon spirits. Tracy talked about that last Wednesday night in our Bible study. He has a third of the angels that fell with him. But the devil is no match for Jesus, and he's no match for a spirit-filled believer. In fact, I'll, I would almost guarantee you this. And we can differ, and if I get in trouble, Don Tyree will get me out. But I can almost guarantee you that the devil is afraid of you. He doesn't want you he doesn't want you to encounter him because he knows with the full authority of Jesus Christ, if he encounters you, he's on the way out. Amen. Evil is powerful. But you cannot be possessed by the devil. You belong to Jesus. Now, see it and open you up to a possibility of demonic influence. By the things that you watch, the things that you play, the things that you engage with. But as a believer, if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and God's Spirit is in you, you do not have to be afraid of the devil. 
because the devil is no match. And the moment, listen, the moment that Jesus pulls up in this boat, the devil knows he's on the way out. How do I know that? Because he comes immediately and he says to Jesus, don't cast us out, let us go over there in those pigs. He already knows. He already knows. And I just need to say this and then we'll finish. Come on, Jerome, get ready. But here, here's what I need you to hear me say. That Jesus had already told the devil, you're out. It was the spoken word of Jesus. And early this morning, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm speaking my word over my people. I'm speaking my word over people in your church that need to be delivered. And I came to tell somebody that you don't need my word, you need his word. You need the word that Jesus has spoken over your life because the word that Jesus speaks is more powerful than the word that men speak. Some of our intercessors, people in our church who pray and intercede and surround Shelly and I with those prayers have been saying to me that in their spirit God's been saying the word is awakened. Awakened. Pastor Dustin said that to us back in December that the word was wake up. Wake up. God has a work. God has a work for this church. God has a work for your life. The devil wants to keep you bound. The devil wants to keep you in bondage. But God wants to release you. And the spoken word of Jesus Christ over your life today is the power of God to set you free. And I'm hoping you get that. I'm hoping you embrace that. If you're watching me right now, I hope that you take that into your spirit because God is speaking his word over you today that you can be free. Verse 13. Verse 11. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. The demons say, send us into those pigs. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Even the pigs didn't want the devil in. They would rather have drowned than to be possessed by those demons. 14. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town, the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. Watch this. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And it freaked them out. That's not what your Bible says. That's what my mind says. They knew this guy. They knew him. They knew what he was. What they thought him to be. What they did not know is who God saw him. How God saw him. That's what they didn't know. And that's what the world doesn't know about you. Because you've been enslaved by the torment and the torture of your fears. 
Your freedom has been stripped away because of the struggles that you've gone through. The losses that you've encountered. The reversals that you've gone through. The struggles that have defined you to where your optimism has given way to pessimism. And your joy has given way to cynicism. Your encouraging words have been given way to judgmental thoughts. Criticism of everybody you see, everything that you see. God wants to set you free. I'm calling you. In the name of Jesus, I'm calling you. And I'm telling you, God wants you to walk out of that graveyard You notice what happened here? When the spirits went out of this man, he went back to being who God wanted him to be. He was released to be who he was supposed to be. Saying, in his right mind, clothed, no more fear, no more torture. I thought about some of you this morning. What would it be like to have a full week without fear? A full week without anxiety. A full week without pain. What would it be like if you could go through this next week and your mind not be tormented and tortured by all the things that are holding you? Here's what I know, that your encounter with Jesus creates a story that's worth telling. It creates a story that's worth telling. See, some of you don't know this. Some of you don't know this. Billy Walter is one of our new elders. If you don't know him, there's a story to be told there. He told it to the elders the other night. It started with a question, something like this. How did I get here? If you knew where God brought me from. You see, those encounters that we have with Jesus, they create stories to tell. And we come in and we sit in these seats every Sunday and we forget the fact that every person here is a story. Every person here is a testimony to what God does when Jesus encounters our life. You see, I don't know, Teresa, how many people know the story of what God did for you that day in that waiting room at the hospital when they told you there was no more hope for your mother. You told me See, your life is a story that's worth telling. And that's what happened here. And this guy, he's so excited about what Jesus has done in his life. He says to Jesus, he says, let me go with you. Hook me up to your ministry and I'll, I'll tell my story everywhere. And Jesus said, oh, I don't want that. I got enough people traveling with me. You know what I want? want you to go home and tell the people who know you best what God has 
go home. Go home. Walk in the door and say, hey, folks, you've got a new daddy now. You've got a new mommy now. You've got a new sister, a new brother. I'm not the way that I was. I've encountered Jesus. And that encounter, encounter changed my life. telling somebody, somebody somewhere right now God's grace is empowering you God's grace releases you God's grace releases you sets you free Thank you for listening Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio about 30 minutes east of Cleveland We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.